Hello everybody, I'm your host Nazarbina and this is the Omnichannel podcast brought to you by Omnichannel X, where we interview leading minds in content design, governance and systems from around the world. If you like this episode, remember to like and subscribe on whatever channel you're using and check out omnichannelx.digital for more info on our annual conference, blog and mailing list for exclusive offers and content. Now enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Omnichannel podcast brought to you by Omnichannel X. My name is Nazarbina. I am your intrepid host, bringing you the greatest minds in Omnichannel uh, user experience, content design, content marketing, governance, and systems. So I am very delighted to have with me today Carrie Hain, uh, author of the book Designing Connected Content. Carrie, uh, can you introduce yourself to our podcast listeners who may not have heard of you? Hi. I'm Carrie. I am a person without a title at this point. I I don't like to call my, I'm trying not to use the word content strategist so much anymore because that's loaded with whatever the other person thinks it is. Um, But I'm a strategist. I've been working um, doing strategy, digital web strategy for over 20 years now and have just come up through the ranks and um, started as I had to do the website for my first organization and um, thought this was a good thing to do. It was new um, and worked, worked through it and always focusing on the content um, and the organization and getting to a point where I'm always transforming whatever organization I was working with to, to go further um, with their strategy and usability and make a good experience. Went was in house a few times. Have been consulting um, with an agency, and now I've been an independent consultant for over four years. Um, and working now much more in the the digital transformation space because, as you and I know, and and many other people know as well, that if you don't change how the organization operates. Uh, content strategy is only going to get you so far. It turns into a bunch of tactics instead of an actual plan. Um, And it certainly um, doesn't go beyond just a website or just an app or just a product um, and to extend to the whole organization so that you, you have that, that transformation. So I've been working with clients on, on doing that little bits at a time um, to get them to a place where, where, everybody's working together collaboratively and they're, they're getting out of their, their silos. So they're more effective and efficient with their content. Okay. Well, you just touched on everything that Omnichannel <laughs> X is about <laughs> in one little introduction. So we're delighted to have you here. Um, I have to recommend your book uh, highly. It's, I don't, I don't read a stack of books per year. I'm not, um, I'm not one of those kind of one of those kind of guys who chews up books easily. Uh, and I have to recommend yours. I, I, re- I referred to it actually at the inaugural conference as a, uh, as a book that made me go, ah, oh, damn, now I've got to think of a new thing to write about. <laughs> Cause I was busy drafting um, a very similarly themed book. Uh, and you guys did such a um, compelling and complete job of it that I am, I'm rethinking kind of where to go. But uh, so your book talks a lot about the whole process of uh, content as design. And so you're talking about breaking down silos and working with other, with other roles. Can you tell us a bit how that, 
how you work. You mentioned you don't want to be a content strategist. How do you work with other roles? How do you see roles working differently before and after you do a project? How, how, what, is, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So I kind of think of myself as uh, a translator. Um, I think content strategy is at the center of so many of all these other disciplines, marketing and design and development and, and search optimization and all kinds of stuff. Um, so I'm, I, I picture myself at the center of that. And if, if content is the, um, the central thing that or the, the thing that everyone cares about or should care about, um, ultimately it's the, the, how people communicate. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we can do there say, okay, to make this content good, it's not just the writing. Um, it's how is it, you know, what is the hierarchy? Does it meet a user need? Um, how is it being displayed on a screen? How is it being delivered via a smart speaker? Um, where there is no screen and all you have is your content. Um, how are people finding it on, on a search engine? How, you know, all of these things. And so that means I have to work with all that. And those are just the teams that are creating platforms that deliver content. And then there's the other side of the stakeholders or clients who need this content to achieve their goals um, and working with them to, to help them understand what, what they can achieve um, mm-hmm. and make that content usable um, so that they can achieve their goal and set measurements um, so they know it's working um, and they're not wasting their time creating a bunch of content that no one's ever going to read or use um, in a way that keeps them coming back. Um, and then there's, there, there's just the whole business side, which a lot of stakeholders don't necessarily think about. They're thinking about their goal, their specific mm-hmm priority or goal, but the business goals, campaign goals. Yeah. But the business has a mission. Um, what are they trying to achieve? They probably have a strategic plan or some initiatives in place of, you know, what they're focusing on these next three years. How do we map that to, to all of it? So, so it's, it's that hub kind of like the website is the hub for, for content because you're pointing wherever you're sending content out, you're pointing back Mm -hmm. to the website. Um, so it's, it's getting that, helping them figure out what the right channel is to get their message out for whatever their goal is. Um, I was just looking at a a site yesterday, um, just a quick review. It's like, okay, this, this looks okay, but you know, are you meeting your goals? I mean, that's, that's a question I ask a lot. And a lot of times people don't have the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't even actually know whether they're meeting their goals or not. Right, because they have no goals. They have like, not defined page any goals. Views, or it's page views. And it's like, well, yes. that's only one, one measure. It's a measurement for sure. It's a metric. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not the end goal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's something else. Okay, so people use it. Now are more people viewing it and then calling you or ordering or, or coming back next week or whatever that is. Um, there's, there's a conversion for almost everything. What do you think is mainly holding them back? Why, why, why are things in such a state in 2020? So I think there's two things. I think there's one is people just don't know what they don't know. Um, okay. they, they're, not, they're not digital content experts. Um, they're experts in running conferences or um, doing education or even marketing. 
um, which is a very narrow set. They're, they're, they have specific goals. So I think they just, I think that's one issue. And we assume, especially as consultants, but even people who are internal, who are on the marketing team or, or on the, the design team, assume that everyone else knows what they know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that just sets us all up for failure because people just don't know what they don't know. So you have to help each other. Um, so I think there needs to be a lot more education and a lot more empathy for the people you work with, not just the end users. Um, and then I think the other thing is, and I've been hearing this a lot lately as I've been having conversations about why are we still doing content last? You know, some of these questions and it's, it's, it's all the external business pressures. Like there was a deadline to deliver a design by this date or the mm-hmm. product needs to launch by that date. Um, and so those pressures, which are kind of coming, they're not necessarily coming from nowhere, but, but they're, they're coming from a, a fairly random place when you look at the whole product management life cycle. Um, and then there's not enough communication between say the product manager or the design leader to, to communicate with the business to say, well, you know, understanding the goals and, and pushing back sometimes, sometimes that's not possible, but you know, finding ways to, to compromise, um, well, we can deliver this, which will be good enough to meet the initial goal and then we can go from there. But then, you know, we all know that MVPs often end up living for a long time. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. you, the reality is you don't go back because mm. now you're on to the next goal that you've, that someone else has set for you. So there needs to be much more discussion about, you know, and this, this is at the high level of what role does design um, play at that point it it really is more about design the design function um and content is part of that um or or separate i don't know depends on the organization and it doesn't really matter but there needs to be a lot more um pushing up um Mm -hmm. as well as out so it's 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 got to go from all the the places and um and you know just like the stakeholders the business leaders don't know what they don't know do you have a story like where what's how does it manifest? So do you have an example where this kind of lack of communication and understanding of what the potential and the requirements and the goals, what ends up happening in the in the real world? We end up getting less than optimal results and um, everyone's frustrated uh, because the design team hasn't been able to do their work well enough. The the copywriters have to fit you know, maybe because their content lasts and so they have to fit their copy into a different container. Um, And then, you know, even though their copy as originally done could have been created um, and fit, and then that was mapped to the goal, um, you know, what what do we want people to do, not just what fits in this button. Um, And then you don't meet the business goal or you're not even tracking it to the goal. Um, But... At, so people uh, are just making a lot of stuff. Yeah, they're just making stuff and they're doing the best they can along, mm-hmm. you know, with what they have, but they're, everybody's got their, their blinders on and are doing what they need to do until it comes into conflict often with what someone else has done. At some point, they all need to work together and they don't always fit together when it's time for them to, to, 
to mesh up. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you, you said a few things which which triggered triggered me <laughs> in a good way, <laughs> not in a bad way. Uh, there was the idea of content last, and it's actually it's funny because I was just off a call with a client before we did the came on to to record this that uh, I was talking about the benefits of content last, but from a different point of view. And there's two ways to have content last. There's content last like all the all design work is done, the technical specifications are done, the customer journey mapping is done, user requirements are done, flows are done, wireframes, uh, images, color palettes, and then people go, okay, now stick some content in there. There's that way of doing content last, which is always, uh, you know, inspires me to swear, which I don't like to do, <laughs> which I don't like to do when I'm being recorded. The, and then there's content last in the sense that don't go write a bunch of stuff unless you've actually done your research, looked at some personas, looked at some audience demographics, figured out what user goals are, and tried to target those. As in, you know, work out why your content is supposed to exist, what it's trying to accomplish then write it. So that kind of content lasts is the good kind of content last. Right. And that's really the definition of content, of designing the content, right? The designing content for a user need. Yeah. And that's the other, and I think that's when people hear content first, Mm -hmm. they think there's no way we can have all the content before we start designing. Like Mm -hmm. that's not the point. It's Mm -hmm. let's think about the structure of the content first. Let's think about where it needs to go, what the user needs, set up, set up the structure. You can design with that structure. We can create the content with that structure. You can set up your, your code and your programming with that structure. So we all agree on the structure first. And then, so it's, it's really content strategy first. Um, Depending on your definition first. of content strategy. Right, right. <laughs> but it, it's the it's that it's the content design first maybe yep. is a is a better way to say yep. that we we just had a uh, um sarah richards on the podcast uh and she she uses the term content design and i'm i'm really uh i'm really into it i'm really thinking it's it's a really good term to clarify that what we mean uh that the the design focused the user focused the requirements focused and process focused aspects of content strategy to get us to a structure where we know that's the right way to do content. Uh, I think content design is something that even non-experts can kind of get, whereas content strategy, as much as I love the term and I am a content strategist, that term is running all over the place. And it's mm-hmm. everything from, uh, I'm, a, you know, I'm just a web copywriter who wants to tack 10% onto my, onto my earnings to, you know, I'm a brand strategist or I'm, you know, I do, I do uh, messaging or so, so many people are are co-opting the term. And and I'm not saying that they're not content strategists, but I think that there is a room to talk about the content design aspect, which is, I think what, what you and Mm -hmm. I focus on in our projects uh, as, as its own discipline and something that, needs to be brought to the forefront uh not to toot our own horns Mm -hmm. uh something else which uh, you mentioned in your book to about getting all these stakeholders and and different people on the same page is the discipline of domain modeling which is dear to my heart as well Um, and i have never heard a client yet ask me to do a domain model i have always kind of nudged them towards it so can you 
talk a little bit about domain modeling, what it is, uh, how you use it in your projects? Yeah, so um, I have had people ask me to do domain modeling. You're um, a lucky woman. It, well, because I wrote the book. <laughs> well, yeah, I wrote it with, with Mike Atherton. Um, and actually, he brought the domain modeling to the process that, that we outline in the book. So it's something that's fairly new to me mm -hmm. as well, but it makes perfect sense. So I've been able to incorporate it into my work sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. Now, just because, you know, there's been a handful of people who have asked um, because they're, they've become familiar with the concept through the book or through talks that Mike or I have done. Um, so um, I've done it a couple times with product teams. Um, in fact, I was just, um, I was just with, a, with a client uh, two weeks ago working on a domain model. Um, that one was to, to, to define a problem space. Um, they are a software company and they have many, many products and they knew that they had this one problem that went across industries, went across products, but they weren't really sure what to do about it. So they decided to, to use the domain model to define what, what, it, what makes up this problem um, so that then they can overlay the products, they can overlay the industry standards um, let's let's back up, I think, for yeah. the uninitiated and yeah. so, get the basics of what is yeah. a domain what model. What is a domain model? So a domain model is a representation of the the concepts or objects within a subject area. Um, so it's really it's boxes and boxes and arrows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it's it's a relatively simple thing, um, the way I look at it. And it 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 gets you the foundational agreement um, back to the, the question of why this aligns stakeholders. Um, because you can get a bunch of people in a room and if you all work for the same company, you already, you already understand your subject area, what subject area, in, or, or you're probably in multiple, but you understand that and you can agree on the truth of that without thinking about an interface without thinking about what goes on the homepage where no one can agree. Um, you know, what, what channels should we be on? What marketing campaigns should we have? You're not thinking about any of that yet. You're just saying, this is, this is the area that we work in mm -hmm. and this is what it looks like. So you're not um, even thinking really about the content yet either. No, not. Yeah, I mean, you have to kind of start thinking ahead to make sure things map up, map properly. But you're not, you're like, okay. And so like, for example, I used to work for the American Society of Civil Engineers. Mm -hmm. Their domain is civil engineering. That's huge. There's, there's some subdomains, but um, you know, I, if I had known about this at the time we started our web project, I would have done a domain model of civil engineering. And I could have gotten you know, 10 people, 12 people in a room who could all agree that civil engineering includes projects and engineers and um sites sites are probably part of project you know how do we break project is project a big thing or is it a bunch of smaller things but we could there's specialties um there's oh, sorry, education when I, I, oh, I, yeah. I just realized i said sites i don't mean websites i mean if you're right, doing yeah uh, yes, like physical that could, works work yes. sites and those could be part of the project or not because mm -hmm. the project would be like the finished thing, mm -hmm. and, like could be an attribute. But you, but those are the discussions we would have. 
Mm-hmm. Of, you is know, a location what, its own thing or is a location just part right. of the project? So, but we can have those because everyone is on the same level mm-hmm. and we're just thinking, oh yeah, does that, does that fit right? And you can map that out. So everybody's agreeing. So now we're, now they're thinking about civil engineering instead of the website. Um, and so that's why it's alignment. And honestly, as much as much as you're getting people to start thinking differently, you're getting that because they're part of the process. And I think through the whole process we describe in the book, the reason you get stakeholder alignment is because you're involving stakeholders early and often mm. um, and at places. So by the time you get to designing the content for the website, they're, they already have agreed on priorities. So they're just, they're just, you know, saying, oh, yes, this one is more important than that one instead of I want my stuff on the homepage um, yeah. <laughs> or that person can't write my content. I need to write it kind of stuff. You, they've, you've gotten that stuff out of the way. And you've built some bridges. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I did my first uh, time where I was teaching domain modeling at the university this year as part of our content modeling course. And I got to say it went shockingly easily it was it was just so we were doing the um uh, what is it in english supermarkets what is it like retail foods grocery store grocery yes yes sorry supermarket and grocery stores that was the that was the subject domain and so it was easy because you know everyone everyone knows the domain so even if you're just a student you don't have to be a subject matter expert and you can start thinking about you know um uh, the franchise versus the franchisee locations, like you have the individual physical locations, and then you break down the locations to know that they have that they have um, uh, types of products, and then we were relating that uh, to from different perspectives. Like if you were if you're the shopper, people start thinking about other things. Like they they come in expecting. Uh, foods and those foods are intended to be ingredients and then so you've got we had a you're brushing up in between cooking and recipes and groceries and supermarkets so but but it was all really relatable because they're domains that we all know right and it was interesting because as easy as it was you you immediately started getting getting synonyms like is it is it a franchise is it a branch is it a outlet is it a what do you call the physical instance of a supermarket and then you have different uh things like um in some countries rather than being a top-down thing like mcdonald's where they own the brand and then you buy a franchise in it there's like cooperative brands Mm -hmm. where it's actually co-owned by all the locations who are funding this thing it's a different kind of power dynamic and so it was it was very interesting exercise but it was really good to get that separation between delivery and what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's what I think is, is really powerful uh, for domain modeling is, is it's so hard to get people to stop thinking pages output who owns what and get back to the, the, the matter at hand, the subject mm-hmm. and, and what it is we care about. Yeah. And I find that when, when we do that, people, ideas just pop into their brains. Mm. It opens so many opportunities because they're thinking differently. They're like, oh, well, 
we could also do this. And they do start thinking about the website, but in a different way, like, oh, no, oh my gosh, yes, we could have all of these things connected to this one thing, and we could sell more probably, or we could get more people to read our blogs or sign up for our newsletter or whatever it is, because now they can see that wealth of content, because now they're thinking, oh, I have all of this stuff. I want people to get it. And um, it just open it opens up so many opportunities, and I that's why I think um, it's a big brand opportunity um, mm -hmm. because oh, yeah. you define define what space you're in, and sometimes that's a little bit different than you think. So I find even defining the domain um, to be a good exercise, and often it changes from where we start when we start the actual domain model to where we finish mm -hmm. um, because either we defined it too usually we've defined it too broadly um, and it, we're actually in a different space. I had a client um, a couple of years ago, they made their manufacturer. And so we started with the thing that they manufacture mm. and we ended up with a little bit bigger space because they wanted to expand beyond there. Like, but one day, you know, we want to solve these, these problems and this might not be the right solution, but we could still make it. So they wanted mm -hmm. to make sure they were forward thinking. And so we expanded the domain and it was very scientific. So there were, there were a lot of things in the domain um, that, that they hadn't thought of. They would never think of as the website, but they were huge educational opportunities for their potential customers mm -hmm. who don't know what they want. They, have an, they know what they need in the end but they don't know what it's called. They don't know how to get there. They don't know why this would be the right solution. So um, by thinking about the domain, they opened up many more educational opportunities that would get them better SEO, get people in the door sooner um, as they're doing research to, to solve their problem. The, the last thing which I think is cool about domain, domain modeling is getting also people aware of how much disagreement there is on what things are called. So yep. it's kind of the beginning of your um, the beginning of your taxonomy, it's the beginning of your content model, but it's also your beginning of your understanding of term equivalency, and and being you know having all those alternate terms for SEO reasons mm -hmm. because you may call them uh, converters, and the other people might call them processors, whatever. Like the, the and it's actually when you're in the room with a bunch of people where somebody who you worked down the hall from for years goes, I don't call it that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, even internally, they don't call it the same thing. How are we supposed to have a one face? And then, yeah, and agree, agreeing on that. I ask a lot of the, the question I'm asking during facilitation is, what does that mean? Is that the right word? Is that what people call it? Mm -hmm. Not quite the same thing. It's because there's, there's the common term there's the the term that the business mainly uses there's the term that the techies in the business use versus the ones that are on the marketing side of the business and it's, it's very it's very important and very useful to get all those terms up on the board mm -hmm. together and start to say okay what what is what and how do how does they actually relate right and i think that leads to the point of getting the right people in the room mm -hmm. to do the work um mm -hmm. whether it's a virtual room or or a, a physical room is you can't just have the marketing people. You need to have some, oh, no. you need to have subject matter experts who wouldn't normally be involved in any sort of content process. 
but they're they're really important at that stage to to understand all of these concepts and and to map them out in a way um, that can be useful by anyone down the road. And so how, I know a lot of people, especially who will be listening to this podcast, will be familiar with the term content model. Um, so how does the content model and domain model relate as far as you're concerned? Um, you know, what, what's use, what is the one useful for? What is the other useful for? Yeah. How are they different? The way I think about a domain model is it's, it's defining the space you're in, the universe that you operate in. And then the content model is your place in that universe um, as an organization, because the domain model theoretically could be used by anybody who's in the same space. Um, so Any one, of your competitors could use the same. Technically, yeah. So yeah. I use the example um, that I do in workshops of live music. So we make a domain model of live music. Um, now, going to the content model, um, Bands could use it, artists and bands could use it, venues could use it, or ticket sellers could use it. But they care about different objects um, within that model. So they're defining, okay, I'm a ticket seller. Uh, you know, there are things I don't care about. I don't care about when a band member was born. I just care mm -hmm. about what their name is, you know, what the name of the band is and what their performances are, what their tours are, and, and what the, the tickets look, you know all the yeah. information about the tickets you may not even um, list the band members right um whereas the you know the the artist you know isn't just in the live music business it's in other you know it's in recorded music but it you know they care about the band members um and and maybe just the the tour and then they link off to the ticket seller for the performances um you know so things like that and then even like a venue cares about the venue just like a ticket seller does but the ticket seller basically needs the name and address of of the venue so people know where where the performance is but the venue has a lot more attributes in their content model because they have their name their address history seating menus all this other stuff um, so that's all happens in the content model they're using the same domain model but different content model because it's only what they care about Mm -hmm. um, not only what they care about, but what they can do at the at, at one time. So you might find that, you know, we really we really can't put any information about um, the you know the band's background at this point. We don't we don't have time to create artist bio you know individual biographies for a band site. So we'll leave that to later. But we know that's a thing we could do in the future and and link them up. Um, together another time there's i still sometimes have a temptation to put actual like deliverables or documents on the domain model like because they people will talk talking about them so much like the annual report or a, a bulletin or something like that when i know that that's not what the domain model is for um how strict are you about that and i never put those in my domain model um those usually p appear in the content model so when we're going from domain model to content model, the first step is, okay, in, if we've done a domain model, which of these objects need to be content types? Mm -hmm. So we, we transfer those. Then we say, okay, what else is there? There's always business things, editorial things, like blog post. A blog post isn't in the domain model. Mm -hmm. A blog post is an editorial content type, but it exists. Mm -hmm. um, reports exist, um, and those kinds of things end up in the content model. 
because they're they're content but they're not part of that domain or in any case they're part of every single domain and users don't care about them <laughs> yeah that's purely business so that's you know again if the the domain model is universal truth mm -hmm. and the content model is organizational truth the organization cares about the reports yeah. um, more than than anybody else yeah i had I, I would get tripped up sometimes with software for example where there's almost no real world objects so you know the, they're kind of the 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 things uh approach can sometimes get complicated when you're talking about the software domain because they're none of the things are things they're all yeah. concepts really um and so it's it's been easier sometimes to to slip into sliding in a another non-thing which might be a content asset there mm -hmm. but um uh i'm actually i'm more comfortable with it now but i would be it was very interested to hear your your feeling about that so what do you do you think the domain models are going to start to get kind of uh commoditized i i i'm envisioning a world where especially people like you and i can start to share these because it's that there are shed loads of work to produce and once we've created one for banking or retail banking or investment banking or pharmaceuticals like do we really need to then go in and do it again with another company so this is interesting i was just having this conversation um with my client a couple weeks ago as it, it it was really hard for us to define that domain in the end and it has been suggested to me that oh you should just create this library of domain models mm -hmm. um which sounds great except it's impossible um, okay because every organization really like the way they define their domain is fairly unique i think there are certainly some that could be but you know even like my example of civil engineering that might be too broad to be useful mm -hmm. um maybe we need the specialties um people i've done some work um with higher ed so their domain isn't education they they've got lots of domains they've got student life they've got academics they've got resident you know they've got residential life um there's all of these different domains that connect those probably could be because because the the institutions that would use them are so alike um but i think there's a very limited set of domains that really would be useful um to be created ahead of time um they certainly would be a good foundation for organizations, but um, but it's I, th I think it's it's something that needs to be thought about to be useful and meaningful. It needs to be thought out a little bit more carefully than than that because if you're you're too generic, it's too big. Um, the domain model is too big um, and too generic to to be super useful. Yeah, I'm I'm torn in two directions here. On the one hand. It just seems like an eventuality, like um, uh, schema.org, for example, is defining, you know, like uh, uh, a retail store, um, a theater, a live event, a person. No, there's they are they're already kind of creating this this global shared uh, semantic model, which they're mm -hmm. trying to. Uh, used to under on like power the web and so i'm very tempted to say that we can kind of we could do something where 
you could start with a domain, let's say, uh, let's say pharma or um, security software. I wouldn't go as far as software because I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, Pokemon Go and IBM WebSphere are very different software applications. Um, but then could you, could you start with like, this is the menu and can we punch out the bits which you don't think are relevant? On the other side of my thinking, the bridge building and the thinking that happens during the exercise is so important that skipping, you know, even doing anything that skips forward, kind of shortcuts the team through that also seems like a risk. Yeah, that's a good point because, because it's that process that, that getting people together and talking about it. Um, and if you, if, even if you started with a domain model mm-hmm. and dumped people in to say what works for us, mm. they wouldn't understand it enough to, to make good decisions because they're not, it takes a while for people to, to get what they're doing and it, mm-hmm. you know, for them to warm up and get comfortable with, with what we're talking about. Um, and you'd, you'd skip all of that, which leads to the understanding um, that it would take to, to make, to make choices from, from a common model. Um, but that said, you know, like, you, you know, schema.org is a good example. Um, and that's something I've, I've just recently been starting to, to use um, in my models, my content models, um, so that I'm at least giving my clients a start at semantic mm-hmm. language. Um, There's certain I, fundamentals like, you know, person or opening yeah. hours or like this stuff you don't have to reinvent. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, I think I, I kind of pull from, from my knowledge and my, my library that I've created before to, mm-hmm. to help jumpstart some, some of the conversations and decision-making during the modeling for sure. Yeah. There's, there's always a, for me, there's a, uh, a balancing act. You know, as a consultant, even if the client wants to just get to the end result, you're doing them a disservice if they're if they don't understand what happened. Like mm-hmm. if you if they just threw their problem over the wall and you fix it for them, which I'm thinking of a very specific client. And if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening to this, you know who you are. Um, <laughs> uh, who you know who just was just like, what do you like? Why do we have to have a team? Why do we have to have a project manager? Why can't you just do this for us? And I was like, well, we could theoretically if you threw enough budget at it, but then you will just be in the same situation when we're when we leave. You're just going to be utterly dependent on us. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that thing about. I really believe that what we're doing and domain modeling is a great example. What we're doing with digital transformation is preparing people for the futures of their careers. They have to understand mm-hmm. how this stuff works because everybody's going to have to understand how this yeah. stuff works. Uh, so th- something like understanding how do you map out a domain, subject domain? What are objects? What are object relationships? One to many, one to one, that kind of thing. Um, and then how does that relate to designs, web designs, application mm-hmm. designs? That's, it's such a core piece of knowledge that uh, I don't, as much as I would love to just show up and go, Hey, look, you look at your domain. It's all it's all clear and up there. If it won't be clear enough, they won't get it fully if they yeah. didn't do it themselves. Right, right. And my goal is always as a consultant to work myself out of a job because, like, I don't want them to be dependent. Content 
is too fundamental to an organization to always rely on someone else to do it. Um, and so I'm teaching them along the way, which is why I you know, have worked more on that transformation and the operations of, okay, do you have the right people? Do you have the right processes? And so that you can set up your governance and keep this going and you won't have any, you won't have all these sunk costs in a website that has to be redone in three years because um, you, you didn't learn what you needed to do or you're repeating the same things over and over for every channel because mm. you're in silos and, and these people didn't participate in this part so they don't understand um, the, what the other one is doing. I think so. I think that that's a, a really, I, I think it's a good thing. I, I think it's important to come to this altruistically. Um, and this is one of the reasons that I invited you to, the, you to speak at the conference, because I, I think that the mission is to make the world a better place, you know, make more competent, uh, more effective digital participants and citizens on whatever channel or, or method they're using, because that's, that just makes everything everywhere run better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I think that's a good note to end on. Uh, so I want to thank you. I'm looking f- so much forward to getting to to hang out in person in June. Um, if you're if you are uh, listening to this recording after the conference, I'm sure you missed a good show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you should check out uh, omnichannelx.digital to find out when the next conference is coming up. And if you like this podcast, uh, yeah, depending on where you're watching it, you can go to omnichannelx digital slash podcast find us on uh spotify or itunes or get the links off of that page that i just mentioned so uh thank you very much carrie i will be seeing you in a few months and uh, thank you to all our listeners and uh i hope you get out there and model some good domains thanks Nas. bye everyone cheers bye-bye thank you for listening this has been the omnichannel podcast with Nas Urbina, founder of Urbina consulting Drop us a comment on our LinkedIn or Twitter and let us know what questions you'd like answered next time and who you'd like to hear interviewed. See you then.